Good afternoon, and welcome to Let's Talk, the pastor's in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone just like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily anything soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion... A casual front porch style talk with a pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Bill Swirla, who's the pastor of Holy Trinity Church, Lutheran Church, of course, in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. Now, you can send your questions by email at any time to let's talk at kfuo.org. I'm afraid our phone lines are down. We've got a little bit of a problem on them, so you can't call in, but... Please, if you have uh, access to the Internet and you have a question, just simply send it on in and we'll try to get it done. Bill, welcome to the front porch. Your phone lines may be down, but uh, mine aren't, so that phone could go off at any moment during this this conversation. Oh, uh, how it is. (laughs) It's amazing to me how many people don't turn off their phones at church. Oh yeah, that. Well, this is this is just the landline on my desk, ah. so uh, you know it rings in the other room, but it will it's liable to ring. So be oh. forewarned. I'll keep that in mind. How are you, Kip? I'm fine. It's Friday. I'm ready to go home, and uh, I I had yesterday off. I had to uh, have some dental work done, and the dentist succeeded in extracting several hundred dollars from my wallet. Oh yeah. Yeah, the nice thing about dental work is the I sometimes think about that in the dental chair. If this were being done to a prisoner of war, it would probably violate the Geneva Convention. Oh, did you ever see the movie uh, Marathon Man? No. Well, that's what happens. The character in there, uh, Hoffman, uh, is tortured by, uh, gosh, I forgot the... I think, uh, I think it's Max von Sydow. I could be wrong. <laughs> one, one, of the, one, of, one of the big German actors who's yeah. actually a dentist, and that's how he tortures uh, oh, Dustin Hoffman. With, with dental work? Yeah, with dental work. Yeah, I, I really think a stubborn root canal is really up there in terms of, of torture. Uh, I, I had one that was just unbelievably bad, so I, I live in kind of fear of the next root canal. Well, I used to think those were the worst until I actually had an impacted tooth. With the, oh, yeah, those are those are bad. That's where they have to crack it in like four pieces and take oh, it out. Oh, yeah, they had to yeah. pull it out, and the uh, infection actually spread to the jaw, so actually they yep. had to go down and scrape the bone, oh, actually. It was just, yeah, oh. Yeah. Did they knock you out? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, see, next time, next time, if they have to do that kind of work, I'm gone. I'm just out. I, I just, I love being knocked out. Yeah, no, I, I was, they numbed it, but, you know, was, uh, no, I could just enough. hear the tooth there's, cracking. as they, nah, there's, <laughs> there's not enough Novocaine to numb that. That's no. just no good. That was, so we can talk dental procedures today? Or what, uh, no, what's, what's actually. On the, uh, what's on uh, your mind? Well, I'll tell you what's on my mind. Uh, uh, this question has been bugging me for a long time. And since you are a trained Lutheran theologian, I'm hoping that you can answer this question for that's me. A, that's, a, that's a really, that's a dangerous setup right there. But, all right. Here's the question. Okay, okay, okay. How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, um, hmm. I'm, I'm guessing it would take, it. let's see, um, none because we don't change. That's it. That's oh, it. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, actually, actually, Bill, the thing that's that's been getting me, is as long as I have known people, I've been around, people tell me that Lutherans have are humorless, so we have no sense of humor. <laughs> <You know. laughs> 
Now, I admit, we do some things that probably... That aren't very funny. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you, know, I, you know, for example, uh, about 25 years ago, I actually attended a service at an Elka church. And they were laughing. They were laughing? They were laughing. What, at, at the LCMS? Well, who are they laughing at? Or what, no, this what was Elka. This was Elka. Yeah. And the pastor was cra- telling jokes and what telling have you. jokes, yeah. No, 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 no. That's, that's not Lutheran to me. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think part of the reason for that is our heritage. Um, we in the Missouri Synod come from, and, and, and also some branches of the ELCA, too, come out of uh, pietist roots. And uh, pietism tends to be pretty humorless if you if you kind of get, if you want to see a good picture of that rent the movie or or look see the movie Babette's Feast, uh, you can see this kind of this joyless uh, religion where even even things that that are enjoyable are not to be enjoyed you know mm-hmm. like a good meal or something like that and you know that has that that kind of pietism actually has uh, much deeper roots in christianity in the ascetic traditions in the monastic traditions and the mortification of the flesh and but luther you know, specifically rejected pietism i believe well, no, that would be a little anachronistic. Pietism came after Luther. Well, um, he, I, in fact, the pietists, the early pietists like Arndt and Spener, leaned heavily on Luther. Uh, they could find plenty of Luther that would give them ammunition uh, for their particular approach to piety. So it, it's not without not without foundation per se, but. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I think uh, the Lutherans that came to America, uh, in whatever period of immigration they came, tended to be of the Pietist sort, and they tend to be kind of humorless. I I grew up in a church that was kind of like that. You you didn't crack a smile once you once you uh, crossed the threshold. Uh, you wiped that smile <laughs> off your face. I, I I used to always marvel when I was a kid at how how grim people looked coming back from communion and i thought man you know that must be really bad up there because they 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 look like they just came back from root canal really and and uh i i I, now i recognize this as that there there is a reverent kind of piety there's a somberness um to being forgiven of the depths of your sinfulness that that really kind of does sort of knock the smile off your face but uh, i prefer to think of it as awe-inspired it's it's our it's our pietist roots showing pretty much i think but you know luther himself was uh, especially in his younger years was known as as a uh, fun loving guy uh jo- cracked a lot of jokes and uh certainly after the reformation i i don't know how much of his humor was but boy he certainly knew how to insult people <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he he did that. <laughs> um, if you read the Table Talk, and there are two volumes of Table Talk, I believe, in the current uh, American edition. I, I think there might be more coming out in the expanded. Uh, there, I think there's maybe six or seven volumes in the the Weimar edition. But uh, Luther at Table is pretty funny, and uh, and he has a he has a very droll sense of humor. Uh, he's very much a man of his time. You know, you have to kind of get into a 16th century mentality. These are pretty, you know, Germans of the 16th century are pretty earthy people. And uh, I've always admired Luther because he could speak to the uh, professor and the pig farmer almost in the same sentence. Yeah. That he, he was that versatile. 
so he he could conduct uh, disputations in Latin, and then he could uh, speak on the plight of the average Bavarian pig farmer or whatever, and in, in in you know easily go back and forth. But um, he is very much a man of his time and culture, and at that time, uh, that sort of that sort of like robust earthy speech was was considered quite fashionable and, and normal <laughs> and uh and and even in disputations and in uh public discourse uh they could get pretty colorful and and it was considered acceptable i mean our ears are pretty sensitive we're we're now you know in the era of uh, sanitized speech and politically correct speech and you know mind your pronouns and adjectives and everything and so it's uh it's it sounds a lot different uh when when we read luther talking about the pope or talking about other people and it seems rude and and just horrifically earthy and and yet uh, at that time people would just laugh and have a beer and go on well my mother was bilingual she was fluent in both german and english and i and she used to tell me that uh you could tell the funniest jokes in german that were even off color, that they just wouldn't be funny, they wouldn't translate into English. Well, humor never translates. Humor is very difficult to translate. It's one of my informal tests of fluency. Um, can you understand poetry in your new language? Can you understand humor? Can you tell a joke and have people laugh at it? Because uh, usually humor involves wordplay and and punning and a knowledge of new a sensitivity to nuance of the language. It's, it's playing on on little quirks in language that often do not translate at all. Yep. And jokes do not translate. My mom's loaded uh, with German aphorisms and jokes, and I I only get about a quarter of them. They make no sense in English. <laughs> Well, our, her mother lived with us for a while, uh, Cunny. <laughs> what a character she was. Uh, but uh, she apparently, Cunny, my grandmother, could sometimes just, she would curse up a storm, but only in German. Oh, yeah. Well, German <laughs> was more versatile in that regard. I, I, you know, English has a very limited toolbox for that kind of thing. The, the Germans, uh, it, it's, it's an amazingly broad toolbox. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was one of the rules in my house when I was growing up. We, we rarely, rarely use profanity. I, I, I think I was probably in my 20s before I first heard my father say something. But my mother and my grandmother would curse in German. And yeah. So I'm <laughs> somehow making it okay. You know, the, <laughs> it was, it's, if it was in German, it was okay. The children yeah. didn't understand. The children knew darn well what you were saying. But well, but, the problem uh, was is that I grew up hearing so much German, I started to understand yeah. some of it. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a bilingual household. I'm not bilingual, but I grew up in a, a, a English German household, and uh, yeah, we understood what mom and grandma were saying, and, yeah. and it was pretty colorful. But <laughs> I think you're talking more though about humor. And and laughter and laughter in church and yeah. its appropriateness and well, I, and whatnot because we are regarded as as being rather straight laced and you know in a lot of ways we are, um, you know like I, I I was reading um some of these well you may know you're Lutheran when and uh, one of the ones here I happen to just have here it says you're at, you're at you uh, you're at an evangelistic rally and you actually managed to raise your hands waist high. Oh yeah, well <laughs> now now my church in California, uh, 
they went overboard. I mean, these people were they were hand wavers, and I kept saying, "My gosh, these are Lutherans, yeah. not Baptists." I don't. Yeah, I, I don't have I don't have a speck of revivalist in me. I, I yeah. when when revival breaks out, I head for the door. I'm just not just not yeah. not interested. Uh, I, I'm not big on the the waving hands. I, I'm not necessarily big on the tightly folded hands either. That's a yeah. pietist actually mm-hmm. posture of prayers, the folded hands. But um, you know the, the humor thing. I, I'll, I'll take I'll tell you a quick story. I, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and I and a friend of ours we went to a, uh, a service of evening prayer at a different congregation. And uh, it's it a rather contemplative service, very peaceful, uh, lots of lots of silence and and quiet hymnody, and it was very very nice. And uh, and uh, we uh, you know we we came home, we barely talked in the cars, we drove home, and we were just in a very peaceful mood. And uh, I was I had an assignment to watch a movie for my podcast with Ted that I do, and uh, and we started to watch the movie, but the movie was, was very disturbing, very violent, very suspenseful, and it just not didn't fit the mood. Okay coming home from a peaceful liturgy mm. so we said i said i said no this just isn't working so i said let's watch let's just watch some comedy so we dialed in uh, one of our favorite comedians who's considered quote-unquote family friendly and you know clean and the whole thing because my wife doesn't like a lot of profanity and comedy and so so we thought okay this guy's a sure bet we like him so so we tuned into one of his uh comedy specials on netflix and we got you know we did about 20 minutes of that and i said i'm bored and, and, and I just I turned it off, and the, and here's the funny thing I, I don't know what it was I I don't think it was his routine, but I think it was the juxtaposition of this this beautiful contemplative service where we were you know reveling in the peace of God and and His Word and everything, and then he come home and listening to stand up comedy, and the thing that I kept picking up over and over again was just how mean it was that we were laughing at the weaknesses and foibles of other people. Uh, we were having one of those. Thank God, I'm not like that guy over there. Isn't he dumb? Ha ha. And and you know, it was kind of yucking it up at other people's expense. And I just had maybe I'm turning pietist. I don't know, but it just wasn't funny. It was kind of like tedious. And so we just turned it off and read a book. It was it was better. <laughs> so what's more of the story? Don't 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 watch stand up comedy after you go to a liturgy of <laughs> evening prayer. Just the, the, I'll bear that in mind. The two don't work. <laughs> You know, th- there is an ongoing discussion about this uh, amongst theologians and pastors and people who kind of think about this stuff. Is um, is is laughter and humor appropriate uh, in church? I, I have a little book on my shelf written by somebody whose name I can't remember uh, called "Humor in Preaching," and and he specifically looks at the the rhetorical device of of humor. Humor is a rhetorical device, and. And he comes to a, a sort of a qualified position that there is a place, but you have to be very cautious about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, you don't want to turn the sermon into a stand-up comedy routine. Mm. Uh, or you don't want, you know, the rule of thumb I have is if it draws attention to you as the preacher and everybody thinks, oh, you got to hear this guy, he's really funny, then it's not working. It, then it's not right. Um, but on the other hand, if it if it does serve... Uh, the hearing and and that uh, then there may be a place for it and i certainly think there's a place for spontaneous laughter uh in church uh but it, i i really think it can't be planned it's like any other emotional uh or reflex response that that we have in our toolbox as humans you you can't program this 
You know, that's what's wrong with revivalism. You're supposed to feel a certain way when you are worshiping. You feel however you feel. Feelings are just, they're, they're like the weather in your head. You know, the, the, you don't, it doesn't matter how you feel. Or it doesn't matter what you think either, <laughs> so for that matter. You can keep your opinions to yourself as well. Uh, we're, we're there to hear the Word of God, you know, and the Word of God does what it does to us. Uh, it may cause us to weep. It may cause us to laugh. It may cause us to sing for joy. Who knows, you know, but we can't program that in. Yeah, I, I just can't picture laughing in church uh, during a service. Now, afterwards, you know, getting together or, or a fellowship hall, something like that, uh, then let the jokes go. Mm. Uh, but we don't just laugh at jokes. Joke, jokes are a particular thing that, mm-hmm. that tickles our funny bone. But if you kind of think about why we laugh, I mean, and I, I do this. I, I, I know somebody who's taking a course, uh, a, a graduate course in comedy. And I think, yeah, that's a great blow, of course. That's like the history of rock and roll. Loved to have taken that when I was in grad school. But it's actually kind of cool. I, we were talking about it, and it's a, a kind of a literary analysis of why things are funny, you know. And so we, we laugh when we're surprised, and that's how jokes work. They lead you in one direction, and then they, they, they take, then the punchline goes somewhere else. And so the, the reflex that is laughter. We got tricked. And so, in a sense, we're laughing at ourselves. Oh, you caught us! Yeah, you know, we we followed you down that road, and then then it didn't turn out the way we we expected, and that's funny. Well, it's um, it's the ability to laugh at yourself. Uh, there is a, a comedy group up in the uh, upper Midwest here, you know, around Minnesota and that area, called the Looney Lutherans, hmm. and they're, they're three women, and they 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 portray the uh, the the church basement ladies. If you're Lutheran, oh, you know who yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we all know who they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but they're very talented. I mean, they, See, they... we laughed at that, too. Yeah, they do. We thought that was funny. <laughs> why, why, why was that funny, Kip? Think about that. You, you and I both laughed at, at just the mention of the church ladies in the basement. <laughs> because still it's a stereotype, why that, yeah. Why is that funny? I think it's two things. One, it's, it's profound truth. We both know what we're talking about. And so we chuckle at that. Uh, oh, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld has made a career out of pointing out the obvious in life. And it's funny because we don't notice it. It's so obvious it escapes our attention. And he's the one who says, hey, look at that. And and you laugh because you've seen it, but you've never seen it that way before. So it's funny. But it's laughter at profound truth or laughter at seeing something in a light that you hadn't seen before. So that's why we're laughing. It might also be... Uh, laughter to cover nervousness because mm. let's face it, those church ladies do make you nervous at times. Well, the comedy routine that these these ladies do—it's uh, I mean they they take things that are really stereotypically Lutheran and they make a joke out of them. For example, uh, one of the ones was uh, one of the funniest things they one of the more amusing things is to go into a dance hall and see a bunch of Lutherans in the back pretending they're not dancing or. Um, See, what's, it's funnier when they say it. Believe here's me. where my brain goes. Um, those those words alone, or that that kind of presentation alone, uh, may or may not be funny depending on who's saying it. Mm-hmm. See, uh, if it's a, a bunch of if it's a bunch of Benedictine monks saying that, then they're making fun of Lutherans, and that's not funny. So we get defensive. So we get mad. Yeah. Uh, if it's a bunch of Episcopalians making fun of Lutherans, uh, that's liable to upset us too. If it's Lutherans comment, commenting on Lutherans, yeah. and they're the same tribe, 
You know, Garrison Keeler poked a lot of fun at Lutherans, but a lot of Lutherans got upset because he wasn't their tribe or someone said, well, he's not really, he wasn't really Lutheran, you know. And, and so then it becomes mockery, which is another form of humor is, is mockery or that delightful German uh, exercise called schadenfreude oh, dark, yes. dark joy the the joy in the misfortune and suffering of others only only, only germans could come up with that one but but there's <laughs> there's uh you know there's this kind of humor in the you know there but by the grace of god go i but but very often the reaction to that is laughter which is very strange but it's it's like it's built into the animal here we do that i, I you know here's here's another interesting question are we the only animal that laughs I think we are. Uh, I, I, I think we are, too. In which case, is laughter part of being the image of God? It would have to be. Hmm. Or is laughter part of the bit of being sentient, of, being, of, of having a, a kind of a transcendent intellect, an intellect that can see outside of ourselves and beyond ourselves? To, to, you know, so, see, this is how I think. So that's why I'm not very funny. Uh, Although some people say I'm funny, but but uh, I'm funny in weird ways. Yeah, right. And funny, weird and funny. funny. Uh -huh. you know, weird weird is say. funny when when you when you encounter something that you don't know what to think of, you kind of laugh because it's weird. So a lot of a lot of comedians kind of do the weird routine. They just they just act or say weird things, and people laugh at it because that's weird. Well, one of my favorite comedians is um, is uh, Jeff Dunham, the ventriloquist. Oh, okay. So he's got a shtick on top of his. Humor. Oh yeah. yeah, one of his one of his characters is the skeleton. That's <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the dead terrorist. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and the punchline is always, "I kill you, silence! I kill you." <laughs> yeah. So what's so funny about that? Because we know real terrorists, and they're not funny. Yeah. But a puppet speaking like a terrorist is kind of interesting. So that I think I put that in the weird, funny category. You know who I used to like? I think he's still around. Is Stephen Wright? Don't Stephen recall. Wright would deliver his whole routine, stand-up routine, in a dead monotone with no expression on his face, and it would be these profound paradoxes. Like I got robbed yesterday, and somebody replaced everything in my apartment with exact duplicates. And and you just you just kind of sit there. <laughs> what did I just hear? Uh, you know, or I, I was bored the other day and I rounded infinity. And you know, I think what kind of mind sits out and thinks these things up? George Carlin, part of George Carlin's humor was like that—the the paradox of language or the paradox of human thought. You got to be pretty. You got to be pretty sharp to kind of kind of do that. Mel Brooks. Oh, Mel Brooks. Well, yeah, Mel, Mel Brooks' humor is, is all over the map. It, it's, a lot of times it's just deliberately offensive. And, and if you do it right, you can be deliberately offensive and funny. And that takes, that takes real skill, though. Oh, and, yeah. See, one of the things is Brooks had a, he had a, 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 a buy, though, because he was Jewish. And so he could make a lot of Jewish jokes, and, and, and everybody would laugh because he could say that. He's Jewish. It's just like, you know, German, uh, Lutherans can make Lutheran jokes, and blacks can make black jokes about black people. But, boy, you cross the line, that ain't going to work. It's not funny. Well, a couple of his routines, I mean, 
Next week, Hitler on ice. That was one of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, yeah. See, but, but Brooks could do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I did a little Bible study. I was looking for laughter in the Bible study, to see, or in, in the Bible, to see if, you know, laughter ever enters in. And, and it does in a certain way. It, uh, first of all, the chief use of laughter in the Bible is derision. It's a way to mock your enemies. God even laughs. God laughs from heaven at man's plans. Uh, you know, he, he looks upon his enemies and he laughs in derision. Uh, or the psalmist says, people are laughing at me. I've become a laughing stock. My enemies are, are making mockery of me. So mockery is probably, uh, if you put all the verses on a scale, that's the heavyweight one in, in the Bible is to laugh in mockery. But it also speaks, the Bible also speaks of, of joy, of, of singing and of dancing. Yes, and, and, and that's, the, that's the, other, the other use. A little rarer, but, but, it, but no, I should say much rarer. But the idea that God will turn our mourning into laughter. Uh, or as Ecclesiastes says, there's time to mourn and a time to laugh. Or blessed are those who mourn now. For they will laugh. It's actually in the Lucan Beatitudes. Uh, and so it is the opposite of weeping and mourning is joy and laughter. So it's, it's, it's known by its opposite there. But in, in the Bible, that's almost kind of eschatological. The meaning, now you mourn and now you weep. This time is a time of weeping and mourning, but you will laugh and you will be joyful. And so there's a there's a kind of a tension in in the way the the Bible looks at the uh, at laughter. So, there, there is a time for everything. Yeah, I also I also found I I can't find a single instance where Jesus laughed. Uh -huh. That was going to be one of my questions. He wept. We have we have some instances of that, and he was very frustrated at times and and angry, but uh, no instance of him laughing that I can find. So that's kind of that, that's kind of interesting. Something to put put in your hip pocket. There, it is a very human thing, and he's very human, obviously. But but there's no recorded instance of our Lord laughing. Interesting. Now, having said that, I think the parables are really funny. And and people who are cultural students of the parables, like I'm, I'm thinking of a guy by the name of Ken Bailey who spent like decades hanging around with Middle Eastern storytellers to kind of get the vibe. And, and his whole thesis is that Jesus, in his parable telling, is right in line with even modern storytellers in the Middle East. And he uh, points out that a lot of these parables, the hearers probably laughed at it and nudged each other in the ribs or applauded or whatever signal that they had for, you know, he really nailed this one. We have one coming up on Sunday, the very difficult parable of the unjust or the crooked steward, you know, who mm -hmm. uh, gets fired and discounts all the loans and makes friends while before his friends catch on that he's been fired. And uh, and he's commended for his shrewdness, you know, and uh, Bailey says that in the Middle East, even today, um, there would be sort of chuckles of approval uh, at this this guy, you know, sticking it to the man and uh, and and shrewdness is considered a virtue. And and so so they would nod their heads and laugh in approval. So a lot of I think a lot of the parables have tongue in cheek 
uh, a tongue-in-cheek quality to them. Like last week, you know, which among you having a hundred sheep and he loses one doesn't leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go seeking after the lost one? And I think I think all the people are listening to Jesus going, no, nobody does that. What, what what's wrong with what are you? you? Talking, what are you crazy? As <laughs> that carpenter from Nazareth doesn't know anything about shepherding, <laughs> uh, but but you know that's kind of the point. And and I think there was probably some chuckles there as people sort of like mulled that one over. So I, I think, but there's no recorded instance of you know. And the crowds yeah. laughed uproariously at the sound of his parables. Uh, yeah. No, it didn't didn't pan out that way. Well, we got to take a little break here, and when we do that, we'll discuss more about humor. What is it? Why are the Lutherans regarded as humorless? What is Lutheran humor? And is humor a gift from God? I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Hello, this is Kay Meyer of Family Shield. I want to invite KFUO listeners to our 25th anniversary celebration, Sunday, October 13th, at Royal Orleans in South St. Louis County. Reverend Michael Newman is our speaker on our theme, Families Worship Him. Learn more or register at FamilyShieldMinistries.com. Again, FamilyShieldMinistries.com. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for me. Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. After 66 days at sea, the Mayflower arrived with 102 passengers at Cape Cod, Massachusetts on November 9, 1620. They had intended to land in Virginia, but poor weather and poor navigation led them slightly off course. These first pilgrims were a mix of business traders and those escaping the jurisdiction of the Church of England. They may have brought with them the Geneva Bible, the Bible popular among English Protestants. Many pilgrims were from a sect known as separatists. Their desire was to form independent congregations strictly following their interpretation of the Bible. Their action was prompted by 2 Corinthians 6, 16-18 in the Geneva Bible translation, including verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and separate yourselves. Engage with the book that shapes history. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Well, 
welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. My guest pastor today is Bill Swerla from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. We are discussing humor. Is this a gift from God? Do we have uh, a humor in the Lutheran Church? Are we regarded as humorless? What is it? What do we do? If you have any comments, well, you can email them to us at letstalk at kfuo.org. Unfortunately, our phone lines are down, so you can't call us today during it, but you can (laughs) Probably just as well. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, one of the funniest bits I ever saw on TV was during the the Mary Tyler Moore show, and it was at the funeral of Chuckles the the Clown. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. (laughs) (laughs) There's a sad event. You know, the pastor is... Giving the uh, the eulogy of how Chuckles was killed, he was actually he was dressed as a peanut, got shelled by a by a rogue elephant. <laughs> but during the during the oration, Mary starts breaking out in giggles. <laughs> she's trying to stifle Just, her laughter. And, oh, and that's the worst. Yeah. That, that's the worst. Stifled laughter is is just that. That's the worst possible. It, have you ever gotten? It's rare, but it's just it's hilarious when it happens. Is you get such a case of laughter you can't stop. Oh yeah, I uh, have. It happened to me once on the air. Um, oh, that's good. Oh yeah, back in the old days when radio was a little bit different. You know, we, one of the common games is always try to break up the guy on the air. And uh, I was giving a newscast, and I had to look up to get a time cue. And I won't describe exactly what happened. This is a family program. <laughs> but I saw something that I was not expecting. And I lost it to the yeah, point. See, there, I had 90 seconds a- left of the newscast, and I couldn't recover. <laughs> that's the laughter of the unexpected, the oh. laughter of surprise. Yeah, that's that's a particularly good one. I was on an airplane recently watching in-flight television, and uh, I was watching a serial, a TV series kind of in syndication. It had been around for a long time, but I'd never seen it before. And the scripting was so good. It was so smart. The dialogue was just just on point and you needed to know you needed to catch a lot of references you know it really engaged the mind but there was a series of of things in that show that was so funny and i had my headphones on and and i am just literally literally gasping for air i'm doubled over in laughter my wife's sitting next to me it's like what's so funny i you know because she didn't hear it so (laughs) but but it was one of those really enjoy they're rare for me i i rarely that belly laugh uh, but you know, it's like having a good cry. You you feel a lot better afterward. I, I have to think that, uh, first of all, because it's a natural thing, it's it's part of God's first article, creaturely gifts to mm-hmm. us, laughter. So there's nothing nothing bad or wrong inherently with laughter. As in so many things, it's it's the the question is laughter over what or laughter why? Laugh or cry. Or what's the object of that laughter? You know, and or one person finds funny, another doesn't. I, I... Perfect example. My wife does not appreciate my sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, I, I will be I watching. I think that's true of a lot of husbands <laughs> yeah, and their that's wives. That's true. No, I think Animal House is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And then there's Blazing Saddles. I think Saddles. John Belushi was one of the funniest human beings that ever walked the face oh, of the he earth. Was. I mean, he he was just comedy. He he was comedy just being there. He was funny just like being in the room. Funny. Uh, yeah, he's he's one. Of, he's the only person I knew who could make me laugh without saying a word. 
<laughs> well, there's that too. There's the 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 comedy, the Charlie Chaplin kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. These, this is this is laughter. It's not over words, it but it's it's over. Um, it's over what you see. But again, I think there's the element of surprise that really makes it um, makes it funny. One of the best, uh, yes, it's odd, one of the most reverent professors at the seminary and one who never would have told jokes from the pulpit or intentionally go for the laugh, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Norman Nagel, elicited more laughter from the hearers at the seminary than anybody else, including people who are intentionally trying to be clever or funny. But there would be like uproarious laughter at times. Uh, Now, part of it was his accent that that created an affect. But a lot of the large, most of it, was just how profound what he said was. You know, the, either the way he saw this particular scripture or how he applied it was just so on point that I think laughter was about the only thing you had, you know, because we don't yell amen, so that's not in our toolbox. <laughs> no, no. Okay, no, no. so laughter was all we had. And it was, I, th- I think it was, that, that, was, that was really uns- unsuppressed joy. And and the joy of the surprise of how good the gospel is, and and I think that's 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 holy laughter, not in the charismatic sense of that, but uh, but I mean that's the kind of laughter that I think does belong in church, uh, but it, it can't be orchestrated, and you can't shoot for it, no. you can't intentionally try to be funny because I think when you do, you will inevitably draw attention to yourself and not to Christ. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. But I also think, you know, this highlights the question that we raised earlier on is is laughter, the ability to laugh, is that a gift of God? Is this one of the things that he has given us, a trait? Uh, and I think it is. Yeah, the way I reason it is laughter is not a learned thing. It's 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 hardwired. Babies laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, you just do play peekaboo with a little one, they laugh. That's the laughter of being surprised at a very elemental level. You're there, you're not there, you're there. That's funny. Um, but you don't have to teach. You don't have to teach a little one to laugh. Uh, they, they laugh before they even have words uh, or can understand words. They laugh at, at just little surprising things. The little quirky surprises of life uh, are very entertaining. Or sometimes they're just happy and so they laugh. So I think it's a natural gift. I think it's just part of our creatureliness. I think it's built in. Uh, I don't see any evidence of the higher animals laughing. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, it's probably a uniquely human expression of joy and surprise. So that's kind of cool when you find something uniquely human. Oh, yeah. But I, I, no, I, I, think it's, I think it's God's gift. And like all of God's uh, gifts, they can be misused. They can be used for evil purposes. They can, it, you know, sin corrupts everything. But well, another, nonetheless, the gift is still God's gift. Well, another gift that, that God has given us uh, that's related to humor is, uh, is the word, is speaking. Language. Language. Yes. Yeah, and they're tied together, although as we discover there's silent humor, too, and there's, there's slapstick comedy which doesn't really no. involve words I remember involves- Jack Benny's being robbed your money or your life silence I said your money or your life and Benny replies I'm thinking I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> and why is that funny See, we go. <laughs> well that was, you know, he was he was a tightwad in his in his persona 
Now there is, to, I, I could, there are, there are jokes in the Bible. There, there are funny, there are funny um, lines. Uh, the, the, uh, the prophets were known for uh, colorful speech, especially when it came to the idolaters or the enemies of Israel. Uh, there's, there, there's salacious speech where they actually use sexual innuendo or, uh, and they didn't hesitate to refer to body parts that we might blush over, but you know, they, they, <laughs> the prophets had the full, uh, toolbox of, of rhetoric at their disposal. And, uh, and so, and those strike us once we understand them and, and, and can sort out the references, uh, they're rather amusing, and I, I would presume that they were considered funny then, too. You know, Ezekiel's mockery of what an idol actually is is really, really, a, it's, it's, it's a good piece of stand-up, really. Um, in the New Testament, Paul, in the book of Galatians, actually tells a joke. And, and he tells a joke in precisely the place where in standard Greek rhetorical form, you're supposed to tell a joke. And so it's it's that little bit in Galatians 5, uh, somewhere in the middle of the chapter, where Paul's kind of been hammering away at the Judaizers and those who were insisting that uh, the Gentile Christians had to be circumcised under the law of Moses. And so Paul makes this remark in 5.12, you know, as for those agitators, those those Judaizers that have come in to infiltrate Galatia, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves, he says. <laughs> now, you know, that's a little tempered, you know, but to paraphrase, hey, if they're so enamored of circumcision, why not cut the whole thing off, huh? <laughs> and that actually is rhetorically a joke. And it's what's interesting is that in Greek rhetoric, that's exactly where the joke belongs. So Paul's actually following form. One of those things that doesn't quite translate. No, it, it it just seems it seems actually uh, kind of mean or angry or something like that. It's actually quite tongue in cheek, and and it's intended, I think, to um, almost lighten the moment. He's come down very heavy on all this, he laid laid down a lot of stuff, and it gives the mind just a little bit of a chance to just have a chuckle and take a break before the next thing, which kind of leads me to humor in the pulpit. I think there is rhetorical value for humor in the pulpit, but uh, it has to be done with a high level of craftsmanship, I think. I think you have to have a, a good awareness of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, I am kind of known, and, and outsiders tell me this, that they're often surprised at the amount of laughter that occurs during a sermon of mine. And I'm not intentionally trying to be funny. At least I hope not. I, I don't know. Maybe I am. Uh, I sometimes take it as a preacher's challenge to see if I can, when I'm on the road or I'm preaching at a one of those congregations that you were describing, mm -hmm. uh, I try to see if I can get them to laugh. Now, that's probably not right. But, but you know, we preachers have to amuse ourselves once in a while, too. <laughs> but uh, I had, a, I had a, a pious layman kind of try to nail me on that once, and he oh, says really? to me. What, what happened? Well, he says to me, he says, Pastor, I, I don't believe in telling jokes in the pulpit. And I knew where he was going with that, but he was taking sort of a sideways approach. And so I said, uh, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> and, and, he, and, and he couldn't respond to that because I wasn't going with the program. And, uh, and, but I, I knew where he was coming from. And I said, I said, yeah, I know people like laugh at church sometimes, and sometimes I'm not sure why. But I said, I do believe in humor in the pulpit. I don't believe in telling jokes, but I do believe in humor. Uh, as a way of keeping ears open, a way of keeping attention focused. And I said, if you listen very carefully to what I say, 
um, when I do that, it's always serving a point. That is, I'm always, that's always, it's a ministerial use of humor to serve the point. And, and I think that's what Paul's doing in Galatia. And I think that's what Jesus is doing in part with the parables. It's, it's serving the point. We're, we're preaching very heavy things, and sometimes the heaviness is a little hard on the ears. And so this, this, is, this is like seasoning a dish. You know, you don't want to over-season the dish, but, it, you know, without the seasoning, it's kind of bland. Well, think about the, uh, about the disciples, you know, the apostles. Uh, boy, that would, had to be a really heavy thing that they were doing. And I, I could easily imagine that in the evening when they got the fire going and they're, they're finishing their meal, there somebody's going to be telling us some jokes or something to lighten the mood. <laughs> well, you talk about a rough group of people. I'm sure the fishermen were not exactly most polite of speech. Mm. And those are the big ones, right? Mm-hmm. Peter and Andrew, James and John. Those are those guys. I, and James and John had a temper on top of it. The sons of thunder, you know. So uh, that's yeah. That the, the, I would love to have been, you know, a flea on the donkey uh, that walked along with that group of disciples. Uh, you know, we we have in the Gospels. We just have a tiny smattering of all the things that were said. <laughs> and I would love to have been uh, an eavesdropper on some of those uh, late night conversations mm-hmm. with Jesus. As you know, they had them. They had yeah. To have... yeah, you don't want to get into this. 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 It's almost a docetic notion. Docetism was that that heresy where Jesus only appeared to be human. You know, he he really was kind of like a superman he was he was beyond human he was just all divine and just kind of appeared human but you don't want to get into that that kind of mistaken notion that he he didn't didn't share in the joys and the sorrows of our humanity as we do that he was isn't one with us in every aspect of our humanity except sin you know and so I, i think a humorless jesus is just not a human enough jesus for for me uh the scriptures have determined not to not to well except for the parables and some of the others saying tell tell herod that fox uh you know (laughs) some of it is middle eastern humor and unless you're kind of like uh in in the know we kind of miss it in our western through our western Mm -hmm. ears but there's 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 tongue-in-cheek um i'll tell you one of my favorites uh when he tells the parable the rich man and lazarus Mm mm-hmm um, I think there's there's two really funny things in that pair. First, he names the named character Lazarus, and then he says at the end of the parable, when, and and they're still in character, they're still in conversation, and the rich man is pleading that somebody go tell his brothers about you know the fate that lies ahead, and and the response is no, they they have uh, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them, but but you know send Lazarus if somebody from the dead should go to see them they'd really be impressed you know and you know it it to me is very tongue-in-cheek no they won't believe even if one should rise from the dead and that that is the case right yeah you know um twice over that jesus actually raised um his best friend lazarus from the dead and that that clearly wasn't that lazarus because that lazarus was dirt poor and the lazarus jesus raised had a house so he wasn't poor Mm -hmm. Uh, but Jesus himself rose from the dead, and they still didn't believe. And yeah, and there's so, all, this, all these people who don't believe that. So, but here it is, before yeah. it happens, way before it happens, tongue-in-cheek, 
uh, right there embedded in a parable. I think that's funny. I always get a chuckle out of that one. You know, about 40 years ago, there was a movie uh, that was controversial at the time called The Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually, that, that, that had a devout character to it, Oh, yeah, it, very much so. I, I, in fact, I was, the station I was working at at the time, where was, there was a, a, a big controversy where a, a group of uh, pastors were trying to get the thing suppressed. And so the, the TV station that was attached to my radio station invited them in to look at the film before it was aired. And they came out and said, hey, this, this is straight scripture. Yeah, I think the movie, if I remember correctly, I haven't seen it. And, mm -hmm. you know, for my podcast, if you listen, I, I never I don't see movies. So if you ask, you know, have you seen the answers? Usually no. But I think that the 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 thing it's arguing against is what I just described as docetism, that Jesus is fully divine, but he only appears to be human. So it's kind of a human act. Oh, yeah. And this or was... God, God just kind of wearing a, a, a human uniform. And and so so it's not it's kind of not really our way of doing things. And that would be cheating that that's not that's not the kind of savior that dies as the substitute for our humanity or one that embraces our humanity. Well, that and, in that movie, it, it it portrayed a very human side of Jesus. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point, is it, it really, now there's a danger whenever you have a paradox, when you favor one thing, the other thing kind of, kind of, <laughs> kind of withers. And so if you push on Jesus' humanity too hard, uh, you start to lose sight of his divinity. Uh, you push on his divinity too hard, you start to lose track of his humanity. The, the goal in paradox is like juggling, keep everything going yeah. at the same time. It's, it's, it's tricky, but it's, it's necessary. Well, how many times in the Bible does Jesus refer to himself as the son of man? Yeah, that's that's a tricky. You know, that's a double entendre because in the, the Old Testament, that's both. A, a, it's, that simply means human. You know, a child of Adam, descended of man. Uh, it's also code word for Messiah in certain, um, like in Daniel. And so you don't quite know don't quite know which one he's referring to. It's probably the least um, messianic title that it's the one he uses on himself. When people say, oh, you're the Christ, he says, don't tell anybody. But he refers to himself as the son of man, which is kind of a hidden way of saying Christ, but it's only there if you know it. So it's, it's kind of clever. Yeah, he, he's, um, he doesn't want to push that Christ thing too much because to, in the ears of his hearers, that's revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he, he's not doing that kind of revolution. His holy war is to die on a cross, not to lead a rebellion against Rome or whatever. But that was ultimately what led him to the cross was when uh, he was called before the Sanhedrin and they asked him, are you, the, are you the son of God? And he said, yeah, I am. Yeah, for them, that's blasphemy. Before the state, it's treason. And, uh, and because he, I mean, he actually got crucified for treason, if you want to, you know, because the Rome didn't care about blasphemy. It's like, yeah, so what, you know, remember, uh, you know, try him under your own law, Pilate says. And, and I said, well... Uh, we have this law that says, uh, you know, anybody who makes himself the son of God deserves to die, but we can't kill anybody because you won't let us, so you got to do it for us, basically. And so, yeah, that's, that's interesting, but we'll save that for Holy Week, huh? Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that kind of made, that's a whole nother, whole nother topic. You know, there's, um, there's a, a, a series of passages uh, that I think are worth just kind of in this context are, are worth discussing. Uh, even briefly, I know we don't have a lot of time, but but um, 
in in the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about living as children of light. Uh, you know, it's kind of a seamal way of talking. We've been we've been rescued from darkness. We've been brought into light, and so now we are to live as as children of light. And and so in a couple of places in Ephesians four and five. Uh, he, I'll say things like, you know, don't let an, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit the hearers, those who listen. And then he, he talks again in, in Ephesians chapter 5, or is it like 2, very close context. Uh, Among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or greed, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Um, and so, you know, th there's kind of a sense that we of all people know how valuable words are, how powerful they are, how they matter, mm -hmm. right? Because we're creatures of the word. We, you know, God has revealed himself to us by, in human language and words. And so being creatures of the word and valuing words, uh, I think what Paul's saying as children of light, we also value the words that come out of our mouth. And, you know, the question is, are they edifying? Do they build people up? Do they, do they contribute to, uh, you know, people's faith and love and hope or, or what? And so I think that might kind of put a damper on some of our, notions of what's funny <laughs> <laughs> that's true but also remember children are children are the ones who really laugh yeah but uh, children laugh rather innocently though don't they you know we're talking about the infant that laughs at peekaboo and little surprises mm -hmm. and stuff uh if children see something frightful or see something bad they generally don't laugh they cry unless unless it's you know they see somebody fall off a ladder and they think it's funny but it's because they don't understand that somebody just got hurt. But we as adults understand that somebody just got hurt. So it's it it's weird. It, it's just it's it's a weird thing. Does that mean that Christians can't tell? Can you be a Christian stand-up comedian? I think yes. Jim Gaffigan is. He's a devout Roman Catholic, and uh, in fact, he did warm up for the Pope. <laughs> oh, he said it was the biggest gig he ever did it's like two million people and and he says uh, and and then he makes a comedy he goes he says i hope you guys will stay around for the next guy <laughs> oh but, that's uh, funny i didn't know that yeah yeah he's a devout roman catholic and and you know he's considered family friendly and clean and but um you know, and I, I would leave it to the hearer to decide whether everything that he says in the name of humor to make people laugh is, is actually, does it actually build people up? Is it funny? I think most of it is just op common observations from day-to-day -day family life and what it's like to, you know, raise five kids and and be married and, and all of that. And, and I think it's largely self-deprecating humor. It's, it's laughter at oneself. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, which which I I think that's healthy. I think oh, as we talked of, about earlier, you know, Lutherans could laugh at Lutherans. Yeah, uh, but I think I and I I think and I'm going to float this one. See what you think. That that kind of laughter, laughter at oneself, is actually a kind of a laughter of repentance. Mm -hmm. Try that on. Try that on first size. What do you think? Okay, you got about thirty seconds to do that. All right, but I'm no, I'm just I'm just putting it out because we are deprecating ourselves. We are making ourselves less.
in some ways that laughter is a kind of a repentant laughter that mm. says we are nothing and Christ is everything. And that brings us joy. Well, Bill, thanks for that insight. And we'll do this again real soon. You've been listening to Let's Talk. The Pastor is in. You've been listening to The Pastor is in, a weekly chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.